Welcome back to our podcast, um, People Just Like Us. And today I am absolutely delighted to have Cameron here with us. He's going to introduce himself in just a second. If this is something that you would like to do, that you have something to say and you would like to join us, then we would love to have you come onto our podcast. Please do just get in touch with us and we'll create a wee space in the new year for you. So, Cameron, it is lovely to have you with us. Thank you, Sean. Um, really glad that you were able to come. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself, first of all. So, uh, my name's Cameron Thompson, uh, and I am the part owner and part founder of a leadership development business called Via Leadership, uh, with, between myself and, and my colleague, Dr. Mark O'Gallon. Um, Via stands for Values Into Action, uh, but it also it's the Roman word for or Latin word rather uh, for a journey between two points which we felt rather nicely encompassed what leadership's about because you're never quite there you're just always on that journey yeah. um, so Mark's a very experienced professional coach as am I so uh, we launched this together a couple of years ago and, and we work with individuals uh, coaching on a one to one basis uh, we work with our teams to help to develop yep. uh, their teams and we also work in different organisations to help those organisations to develop their culture uh, and we've, oh gosh been doing it for about 15 years now and I haven't worked a day in 15 years <laughs> uh, so I love what I get to do So how did you land here then? Where did you come from? So it, it was a bit of good luck to be honest with you so much of life is about moments isn't it? And yeah. uh, as we were talking before we started broadcasting, I actually used to be based in this building when it was a bank, uh, but I had become, become roundly disenchanted with the world of banking. Um, I moved into private equity investment for a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, the first experience of which was great, I thoroughly enjoyed it, the second experience was the worst, mis- worst, worst mistake I made in my professional life. Um, but good comes from everything and through that I met some people uh, who had their own leadership development coaching business uh, and within having a couple of conversations with them, I was in my early 40s at the time and I thought, I just get it, I really, really get it. They showed a lot of faith in me uh, in the early days and while we're not together anymore, we're still in, in very good terms. Uh, and, you know, the, I went ahead, I got my coaching qualifications and, and I haven't looked back since. Uh, and there was a moment uh, we talk a lot when we're talking with organisations about connection to purpose. You know what? What is it that gives you a sense of fulfilment? Uh, the things a day when you would do it for nothing. You might not tell the boss you would do it for nothing, yeah. but you would do it for nothing. Um, and I had a moment quite early in my coaching career. I was working with a professional services firm through in Edinburgh, uh, and one of the guys had a had a. He was having a very difficult situation with with one of his team members and just I can also remember it was almost like a JFK moment I was in Edinburgh bypass uh, and I thought hang on a minute I think I just might know what might be going on here I was able to relate what he was experiencing to one of my my sons Um, and uh, phoned him I said look he was in an open office environment I said go and get yourself into a room I think we need to have a further chat and long story short um, there's a young man now who doesn't know that I exist, we've never met, um, but he still has his career and there's an organisation that's flourishing because they're thinking a wee bit differently about how 
they managed that young man and uh, you know I'm proud of that yeah. I'm very, and I think that was the moment you know I, I think I've, I've learned over the years that something always explains something that might sound quite trite to say that but I think to you know if, if I experience something I think well, why did she want to make that decision or do it that way something explains it and it's just about understanding how we're wired and we're all, the only person that's seen the world through your eyes is you, the only yeah. seen, person that's seen the world through my eyes is me um, and if we can build our appreciation of how other people are wired um, then I think it makes for a far more pleasant environment and yeah. nobody gets out, out of their bed in the morning to make a bad decision, nobody gets out of their bed in the morning to have a bad day, sometimes it works out that way but yeah. it's not typically yeah. why we show up yeah. um, so I just love getting to work with individuals uh, who maybe, you know, just, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a professional question asker. That's all I do for a living, I just ask questions. Um, and I love it when we get those moments where there's maybe a pause moment. Maybe the ceiling becomes awfully interesting or the floor tile <laughs> becomes off. And, and we've maybe just asked something that has just unblocked something yep. inside the person, yep. and those moments are worth much gold. Or maybe you get a little text message at night from somebody that says, I tried that, you know, or experimented with that and it worked. Um, you know, and on, only only myself and that person will know what that means. Yeah. But it's usually something tricky. Yeah, but it sounds like. Uh, and I get a lot of pleasure from that. I get a lot, a lot, a lot of fulfilment from that. It is just that connections thing, isn't it? It's making connections for you, but also helping other people to make those connections as well. Hopefully, yeah. And and actually, and ultimately, the aim of a, you know, coaching, I believe, is to make the person self-sustainable. Yeah. You know, and I've had. I've had clients say to me, and this sounds a bit immodest, and I don't mean it to be, but they'll, they'll sometimes say, you know, they're maybe in a situation, they'll say, what would Cameron ask me? Which I kind of take, I think that's quite cool, actually, that they yeah. do, that makes me chuckle when they do that, because they're then starting to coach themselves mm-hmm. through things and, and maybe raise that sense of self-awareness mm-hmm. uh, in them. And, and I just love, you know, I love those moments, and maybe you haven't seen them for a few years, and you bump into them in, you know, the supermarket or something like that, and there's a warmth there and yeah. you kind of know you've helped them through a tricky time. And yeah. I think that professional questioner thing is a, is a mm. really interesting one. Mm. So I would talk, I didn't realise I did it until quite recently when somebody pointed it out to me, I wonder all the time. So I start sentences all the time with, oh, I wonder what it would be like if, mm-hmm. or I wonder what might happen if. And so you actually just paint a picture of an alternative yeah. for somebody, you just yeah. wonder about it. Yeah. So I suppose... I suppose using, I'll just use my own stock phrase then. So I wonder then what your experience, obviously we're a mental health organisation, mm-hmm. improving people's mental health, looking at their emotional well-being. So what what's your experience then round about that? Because there must be a bit of an intersection between what you do now and kind of mental and emotional health. Very much so. And, and a large area that, that I concentrate on my work uh, with organisations in particular is what are the types of things that organisations can do to create an environment of what I would call psychological safety. Yeah. Now, you know, there will be something that goes around this building to make sure that the plugs are wired properly and there's not any debris lying on the floors or stuff like that that people are going to injure themselves on. That's the health and safety person. I think the, the most important thing that we can do as leaders is to create an environment where people feel psychologically safe. Yeah. Now, you know, the other side of that coin, of course, is we don't want people to be complacent, so we want to guard against that, but but I, I strongly believe that 
that you know human performance comes from a place of being psychologically safe. There's there's fifty thousand years of evolution that's gone into this up here, and the only you know if we went back to Paleolithic man, the only way I could get asleep at night, you know, when we lived in the tribe, was I knew you were man in the barricades, and the saber-toothed tigers weren't going to get me, and then I would get up and I would man the barricades, and you'd get asleep. Um, and, and there's some really interesting studies now between human beings and canines and equines because within the animal kingdom we're all species that are preyed upon. We're not creatures of prey ourselves and you know you would know you could sit on a horse and it'll trot and it'll jump and it'll gallop and I'll look at it and I'll say right come on get it up and it'll just look up at me and say I don't think so you know because it doesn't sense safety. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's incumbent you know, to, or desirable to create an environment where people can feel safe. I, I used to do a work with a very senior soldier um, in the British Army and, and I said to him one day, I said, you know, what did he think he'd led his regiment in some pretty difficult places? Uh, and I said to him, what did he think his most you know, outstanding achievement as a leader had been? And he had a lovely answer. Uh, Shona, because he, he said, well, first of all, this would be for others to say rather than for me to claim. But he said, I think I created an environment where my guys would just tell me what was really happening. Yeah. I, I recognised early in my career that um, that bullets don't understand rank. You know, yeah. and a bullet doesn't know whether it's hitting a corporal or a private or a sergeant or a major general. It just hits you. Um, so to create that environment where people can, you know, tell you the unvarnished truth yeah. without any sense of retribution or yep. I'm going to carry the mark of Cain yep. around about that and, and uh, I often actually say to the leaders that I work with just to silently have a look around the team that they've, that they've got around them and just ask them say, I think it's sometimes perhaps the best question they can ask themselves is which one of these people can afford to tell me the truth because almost every one of them has got next month's car payment or mortgage payment or yeah. care home payment or school payment riding on their relationship with you, you know, and 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 it's up to you to create that environment yeah. where yeah. they can. And so I think to create that place of mental safety, yeah. and one of the things I'm seeing with other with organisations more commonly now on a broader level is that they're absolutely starting to adopt an approach around people's well-being yeah. um, as part of just their core offering. Now that might be things like their financial well-being, or their mental well-being, or their physical well-being, or their social well-being. But they're starting to embed this within to their cultures. And that's, I could, when I started working life in 1984, that did not exist. Yeah. I yeah. think that's a huge step forward. We've still got a long way to go, yeah. but I think that's a huge step forward. So this might be a, a bit of a contentious question then, just coming up for me in the midst of what you just said there. So the, so organisations that want to do that, what do you think the percentage of organisations is that actually want to do that and the percentage that want to be seen to be doing that because it ticks a box somewhere? Yeah, that's. I think that's a good question. Um, I guess what you're talking about is the sincerity behind it. Um, Organisations that, because to do all of that, there has to sometimes be a whole systemic change that needs to happen within your organisation. And not just um, not just procedural changes, but actually attitude changes. And, and also sometimes in your senior team, there needs to be a psychological awareness in your senior team before they can create a psychological awareness Correct. in the, the organisation. And, and, and I think uh, there's many factors at play there. And I will come back to answer your question. I mean, I think... Uh, 
I think it's probably less than half at the moment. Um, perhaps across the board, I think there are many out there who, who are ticking a box because it's the flavour of the month mm-hmm. at the moment, or, but they don't necessarily have their emotional weight behind it. Almost exclusively, my client base are privately owned. Um, you know, so I'm not dealing with. I do deal with one or two public sector organisations, but and broadly speaking, it's privately owned businesses that I'm dealing with. So I can get a better temperature check on the on the sincerity yeah. behind what what they're trying to do. And actually, one of the most powerful tools that that we can use to help to embed this type of knowledge is actually to have the senior manager mo- senior management model it themselves. Okay. And talk about their own experiences and perhaps where they've they've had challenges themselves. Um, so, I would say that I'm fortunate with the organisations I deal with. It's pr- I would say it's most of them, but I realise that's not the case necessarily across yeah. the board. But I do believe, you know, I think in many regards we're maybe trying to turn around a super tanker. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, does, it doesn't stop on a dime and just yeah. and just just turn around quickly. But I think there's a momentum. Around this now, and and you know, I think as as more and more people enter the workplace, whether it be private sector or public sector, I think to have that a willingness where people are willing to to, to make themselves vulnerable, yeah. which I think is one of the I really think is the platform through which actually teams grow. Yeah. That willingness to sit in front of you and say, tell you something that I know you could hurt me with, yeah. but don't believe you will. Yeah. Um, I think that there's traction and momentum yeah. around that, and I'm seeing that in many different uh, areas of what I do. A, a big area that that say uh, certainly become far more prevalent in the last six to twelve months. For instance, our discussions around the menopause mm-hmm. in the workplace. And I can tell you, when I started my work in life thirty odd years ago, that was not being talked about. Yeah. You know, and and the vulnerabilities associated with that. And I just did a compelling session with a client about three weeks ago up in Perth. Uh, and, and you could hear a pin drop as a couple of ladies were prepared to talk about their experiences and the number of questions they got yeah. from their male colleagues, etc. So that's yeah. just one example of that client gets it. Yeah. Now I know the previous management structure of that business. I'm not so confident five or six years ago that that conversation would have taken place, but it's taking place now. And actually, it was really helpful right at the outset that the managing partner put his hand up to a room full of his guys and said, I'm really nervous about this. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I think there's a huge education piece yeah. to be done around yeah. that. There's all, there is also something in there about your senior team being able to own stuff themselves and being able to be reflective themselves yeah. and being able to have the courage to be vulnerable okay. um, with folks themselves. Yeah. Um, that whole vulnerability thing is just fascinating. I mean, it's one of the values here in, in Healing for the Heart. Um, and I remember reading a number of years ago that in terms of the interview process, if you're interviewing for a new post, the questions in interview should reflect your values because actually it's much easier to teach people skills than it is to teach them so. you know, values or character or, or anything else. Yeah. Um, and so we, we consciously in our interview procedure ask a question that allows the, cli- allows the, the prospective um, employee yeah. to be able to talk about their vulnerabilities. Do you know, it's really interesting you should say that. I was, I was sitting with a leader uh, earlier this week and we got onto that very subject uh, and you're right because you know typically organisations hire for skills and fire for behaviours so if we can get the behaviours yeah. you know, we're, yeah. you know we're, not, we're not it's not a guarantee of success but you're starting to load the deck in your favour a little bit yeah. um, 
and they've, as you've seen many, many places, they've got the kind of organisational values on the wall. Yeah. But truthfully, they've been there that long, they're just part of the furniture. Um, and we were talking about, and I said, you know, the way to, to actually bring these to life is to have the conversations around them. That's right. To be talking about when we've lived them, but actually, and this is the vulnerable piece, to be talking about, to be willing to talk about when we've not lived That's them. That's right. When maybe I did you let you down or I let that client down or I didn't deal with that supplier in the manner yep. that, that's congruent with the yep. way that we say we do things. Now that takes a bit of time. I, I've done it with a client recently and truthfully it took about two years yep. to actually get the senior team to be prepared to sit in front of one another and say, I kind of let us down a bit here, yep. you know. But now that they're doing it, I promise they're flying. Yep. And there's another little yep. exercise actually that I have them do around these things, whatever they might choose to be, is just to say to them, look, go into Google Images and pick off an image of what that should I think maybe one was collaboration, one was vulnerability, mm. one was, you know, trust, whatever it may be. And just go and pick me off an image that represents that. Mm -hmm. And come and talk to me. It's actually not about the image, it's about your ability to talk to it. Because yep. by being able to talk yep. to it, I'll be able to sense you know, something visceral will happen between us yep. that will let me sense, right, you know, does she want to get it or does yep. she not? So yep. And I think it's that soft stuff, isn't it, that comes around the measurable, the quantifiable um, data that you would measure from a business or from an organisation in terms of their outputs or their outcomes. But there's also something else there that our funders or our investors or whatever often don't ask about and often don't measure, but actually it's really important for the health of the organisation, all that soft stuff that goes round Yeah, and it. it's, a, you know, so it's a bit of a foible of mine. I, I, when people use that word soft, I often say to them, well, please don't confuse soft with easy. That's right. You know, because often the stuff that's characterised as soft, yeah. if I'm having to tell you that you don't behave in a way that's congruent with the way that we do stuff, that's yeah. typically not a soft conversation. <laughs> you know, right. um, And so I think to... Yeah, you know, we, we want to be able to yeah. uh, recognise that it's not always easy, yeah. um, but it's absolutely important, uh, you know, for us to be able to, to understand. It's, it's, if organisations aren't clear on this stuff, how do I know I want to bring my talent there? That's right. You know, and, and often when I'm, in fact, this happened with a client not so long ago, when they're, when they're talking about engaging somebody like me, and you're typically dealing with the CEO or the MD or what have you, and they'll say, right, so how, you know, this is lovely, Cameron, and I think this is marvellous, let's do this, but how am I going to measure this? How am I going to, you know, what's my return on capital going to be? And, and some of it can be quite hard to put in the pound shillings and yeah. pence, yeah. but maybe, well, maybe that resolving door you've got at the front starts to slow down a bit. That's right. Because you're not losing talent. That's right. The way that you are. Maybe you start spending less money with recruiters because your guys are staying. Um, one of my clients, we were extremely proud of this, uh, it just emerged a couple of months ago, we were doing a conference for them and they've got about 130 staff, give or take, um, and we realised that in the last two years they've had 12 members of staff who have introduced another family member or a very close friend to the business. Yeah. So if you're willing to let your nearest and dearest That's right. go and work in a place, my son interned for them over the the summertime. No, I quite like him, my son. In fact, there's some days I love him, you know. But to actually, uh, yeah. you know, be prepared to say, yeah, I'm going to let him. I'd like him to come here for three or four months, yeah, yeah. you know, over the summertime and gain some experience. And yeah. so, you know, there's not a line for that on the balance sheet. Yeah. But don't tell me it's not important because yeah. when the, you know, when the goes a bit south, yeah. the balance sheet doesn't save you. It's the people yeah. that saves you. That's right.
that's right and I think that's really important important almost to put a pin in that and say that it is the people um, and that would be one of the other things that we would talk about here that is the people that matter most you know even what you're saying there you know years ago um, I was in education and I remember at that time and actually still with with friends who are teachers when um, when their their kids are you know folks younger will say oh I think I might want to go into teaching and the first thing that usually comes out of their mouth is oh don't do that you absolutely don't want to be a teacher don't come into this it's just not and you think goodness me what that's not really an advert yeah. for a profession exactly is it? My, my parents was my, so both my parents were in education my father yeah. was a lecturer my mum was a secretary in a college yeah. and both of them said you do what you want Cameron but don't go into education yeah um, you know, my boys, uh, well, the young men now, you know, yeah. uh, my background was in banking. Uh, and, and, and I would say, you can do what you want, but I really don't want you to get in the banking environment, yeah. you know. Um, so to actually be able to go to somebody that you love yeah. and say, I'd be quite happy for you to do this. Yeah. So there's a question that we ask every single podcast guest that comes on here. And the responses that we've had over the last year have been fascinating. So mm-hmm. no pressure or anything. Okay. So if it's rotten, it's down to me, is that what you're saying? So if you had a magic wand or some fairy dust that you could sprinkle, mm-hmm. um, that you could change one thing in our society and culture that would have a huge positive impact on mental and emotional health, what is it you would change? Am I allowed more than one thing? That's often a question we get asked as well, so yes, but prioritise Okay, <laughs> so uh, uh, prioritising, um, I think educate mm. around it. I, I was talking with my youngest son about this the other night, and just ask, and he's not—he's just left school. He's just started university, mm-hmm. and I was just asking him about, you know, what type of support they get, at, you know, what sort of exposure rather yep. they get at school around this, and and it really didn't seem sufficient. Uh, and similarly, you know, at university, there's some stuff there, but there's not a great enough awareness yep. of it. So I think you know. Look, it's, it's the old Tony Blair line, isn't it? Educate, educate and educate. Yeah. Um, I really think that there's a piece uh, around that. I think there's another piece, though, if you, if, you, if you don't mind me going on as well, it's it's for employers to, you know, I, I'm a great believer that we get the behaviours that we reward. Therefore, we need to build something into people's remuneration style of packages and their appraisal performances etc around a recognition that as employers we value your mental well-being and we want you to be doing the things that are congruent with managing your mental well-being I had a brilliant interview a a few days ago with Max Whitlock Mm -hmm. the British gymnast and obviously there's been some cultural issues at uh, British Gymnastics as we all know um, and one of the questions he was being asked by the interviewer was along the lines of you know so how many hours a week would you expect were you expected to spend in the gym max and I think the answer was uh, 40 hours a week in the gym and and the question then was and how many hours a week were you expected to work with a psychologist zero yeah so you know the point being well yeah. maybe if it had been yeah. 35 hours a week in the yeah. gym and five hours a week in the you know, with with a psychologist, well, maybe there's there's a start towards a, an employer recognising yeah. the importance of this. And, yeah. and again, I heard something. I wish I could remember the fellow's name. Um, 
but the fellow who's in charge of the academy at Manchester United and he was talking about taking the parents aside mm. and talking to the parents of the boys or the girls that are trying to make a career in professional football yep. and saying like you know clearly to get to the top they need to be single minded they need to be focused they need to become a wee bit might seem selfish in many regards you know, all the things I'm going to uh, you know trying to embed in your child to make them a success is likely to give them mental well-being issues in later life yeah. are you okay with this and and then start to build a program around how do we protect that side of the people so i do think there's a piece for employers to recognize that 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 not only get a responsibility but a desire yeah. to look after people's mental well-being because if we look after that we'll get it back yeah yeah. You know, the, yeah. uh, so I think there's education, and I think there's there's how we how we incentivise people. Yep, and that really is about investment, and it's also about um, perhaps tweaking or changing the priorities within the systems or the procedures that we have, the processes that we have operating. So, um, kind of flipping back to where we were in the conversation, just as we're kind of coming to an end. But um, that stuff you said earlier on, the, the companies that are contacting you are the companies that are invested in what they're doing. And uh, and also for us, you know, the companies that are contacting us about employee assistance programmes or support for their mm -hmm. staff, they're the ones that are really invested in it. And I suppose, you know, part of our hope for doing these kind of podcasts is that we start to raise that awareness amongst people who haven't yet thought of yeah. that. And for me, I mean, it's great that you raised that, Sean, because when I'm out talking at, you know, lunches or dinners or stuff like that. I, I'm not talking about some type of utopian vision. That's right. That you know, when I close my eyes, this is what I, this is what I see. You know, I have a dream. Um, although my, I guess my dream is a coach in every boardroom. That's that's what we've said since day one in our business. Um, but this is happening, and I can cite examples from several different industries right. of you know, this is not a figment of my imagination. This is what has put food on my table for the last fifteen yeah. years. Yeah. You know, to be doing this and and you know. I think there is a momentum around this and, yeah. and, and people do start to get in touch yeah. and say, okay, that, that's actually quite interesting, yeah. you know, and, and can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I do believe, for a myriad of reasons that we don't need to go into today, that, that the momentum in this is only going in one direction. Yeah. We, we're not going to sit here in five years' time and this is going to have diminished. Yeah. And yeah. I am super confident of that. It's yeah. only going in one direction. Yep. Fabulous. So if people want to get in touch with you, we will put your contact details on wherever our podcasts are going out. So we'll have that there if folk can get in touch with you, businesses, individuals as well, presumably Absolutely. if they're looking for, for individual coaching. Um, and if folks are looking to get in touch in terms of employee assistance stuff, then we're really happy to hear from them too. Delighted. Thank you so much Thanks for coming for in. Obviously, we are now uh, starting to work with you now too. Um, so maybe in, in months to come, we'll have you back on and we'll have a chat about your involvement with us and what has happened in terms of healing for the heart. Um, meantime, if you've been listening or watching this and you are thinking that this is a space for you, then please do get in touch. Um, we would love to promote what you do. We'd love to hear how um, mental health and well-being is affecting your business and what you're doing about it. Um, so if that's something you want to do please join us uh, on one of our future uh, podcasts and be somebody that's just like us that comes and joins us and has a blather thanks a lot for tuning in mm -hmm.